Lord Jesus, we do want to thank you, Lord. Lord, for your favor upon us, Lord, for your blessings, Lord. We know, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that, Lord, that you love us, Lord. Your word tells us that you love us, Lord, and we love you, Lord, because you first loved us, Lord. It's an amazing love that you have for us, Lord. Even when we rejected you, Lord, you still loved us, Lord. Lord, when our sin got in the way, Lord, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, Lord, when all that came in between us, Lord, you still loved us, Lord. Your desire, Lord, is that we would all just come to an understanding of your great love, that we would come to a place, Lord Jesus, of receiving that love, Lord, that we would hate sin, Lord, and that we would love you, Lord. Help us to come to a place of loving you more than anything else, Lord. Help us to come to a place, Lord, of growing and knowing you, Lord, growing in your word and your knowledge in all of you, Lord. Lord Jesus, speak to us today, Lord. I know that you want to speak to us, Lord. You want to speak to us as a body. You want to speak to us as individuals, Lord. Your desire, Lord, is that we would hear your word, Lord, and that we would do your word, Lord. Lord, let us allow your word to come into our hearts and to take deep root. May you just take a hold of our hearts, Lord, and may we live out, Lord, the things that we hear today. We thank you for your glorious word, Lord. We pray now that by your spirit, Lord, there would be no distraction, Lord, that we would just focus on you, Lord, that nothing would take our attention, our eyes from you, and that, Lord, that we would allow your word to transform us, to cleanse us, to make us more like you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for it. Anoint this time, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are now uh, in the book of Leviticus. We're in Leviticus 13. And uh, as we've been going uh, through this book, you know, we've just been talking about just the various, uh, just the laws and, and rituals and sacrifices and offerings and, and foods and just the various things that the Lord was calling his people to do. And, uh, you know, these next two chapters, actually chapter 13 and 14, it's going to be talking about just the treatment, the diagnosis, just uh, the uh, identifying uh, diseases. And, you know, the diseases that we're going to be talking about is, is uh, as we read it, don't get confused. It's not, you know, the disease of leprosy, uh, because I want you to understand that when it comes to the word that is here in the Hebrew, the word leprosy, it's pronounced sarah, sarah-at. And what that means is, is that's an inclusion of various diseases, skin diseases. And, and we all know and have heard about leprosy. I think we all know and have read about Hansen's disease. That's what leprosy is today. And when we talk about leprosy of today, that is like the rotting of limbs. I mean, where, where you know, your skin and, and your bones begin to rot. Your skin gets very hard and you begin to lose feeling. And also what happens is that with Hansen's disease, your face becomes deformed. There's a deformity that happens. And when we read today about these diseases, you're going to see that None of them have this indication. None of them are, are talking about the rotting of limbs or, or the loss of feelings or the deformed faces. So for you and for myself, when we look at this and when we read this, let us not think that what we're talking about is, is Hansen's disease. It could have been an a early diagnosis of it, but I doubt that to be the case. It is just mainly talking about about diseases and and I do want to talk about that because as we look at disease and and leprosy what is that an image of you know when we think about disease and leprosy I want you to know and as we look at this usually when the Bible talks about that it ta it relates it to sin the symptoms of sin and when we look at what we're going to read today we're going to be able to relate this to the as, as we relate these diseases, you're going to be able to relate them to sin, and we're going to go over that. And as 
we discussed last week, whenever you had any type of disease or discharge, you weren't ceremonially clean. The Lord wouldn't allow you to, to be in a place of, of, of worship, of worshiping him there with, uh, in the tabernacle. You had to stay away from that. You couldn't approach God. But I do want to talk about that disease and, or, or, or diseases of today for the Christian. When we look at diseases of today, do for us as Christians, does anything separate us from the Lord? You know, I want us to know that whatever you may have today, if you've come to Jesus and you've surrendered your heart to him in faith, nothing will separate you from him. I want you to understand that when you come and when you receive Jesus, that you are now accepted in the beloved. Whatever you have has been cleansed and, and the Lord receives you with open arms. And, and his word talks about this where it tells us that, you know what, that nothing is going to separate us. From him, And I'm going to begin to read that in Romans 8, 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we see here, there is nothing that can ever separate you from the Lord. No disease, no infection, no bodily discharges, even though for the Jews that made them ceremonial, ceremonially unclean for us nothing can separate us see our cleansing comes when we have faith in Jesus and so with that let's begin to read there in in uh, Leviticus 13 verse 1 and it says there and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. So we see here that the Lord is speaking to Moses, and he's also speaking to Aaron. And what he's telling them is that, you know what? Whenever you see these type of skin diseases, and infections, again, not necessarily Hansen's disease we're talking about, as you can see that. You know what? I want you to bring that man to a priest. And so if he had these symptoms, they were supposed to bring him to a priest so that Aaron or his sons can examine. And why the priest? Let's talk about that. Why is it that they would have to bring him to the priest? Why wouldn't he take him to the doctor, right? Well, as we know, I mean, there wasn't many MDs at the time. We know that the Jews, you know, most of them were what? They were slaves, right? And when they came out of Egypt, it wasn't like they were schooled in this, but the Lord would naturally bring healing, and he would use natural herbs and, and natural things to, to bring healing upon them. But what the priest served, what he served was as a public health official. And what he did is he would examine the people and he would isolate those that had skin diseases. See, it's like any type of disease, right? Imagine if they allowed a man that is, that, or a woman that has a disease to be in contact with others. What happens? It spreads. It's like today, David. David gave me a call, David the Usher, David Siroyce. Uh, and he says, you know what, Pastor, I, I have the flu. I can't make it today. And the first thing he says, you know what, the last thing I want to do is go to church and get everyone infected. See, that's exactly what happened. I mean, he's doing the right thing, right? This is what the priests serve. They say, you know what, it will examine you. And if you are sick or if there's a, some sort of skin disease, what we're going to do is we're going to set you aside. We're going to isolate you. And that's the same thing that we do today. I mean, it is no different, but they served as public health officials because they didn't have 
doctors. And so the priests were to protect what? The people, right? And so this is what they were doing here. And so let's read in verse 3. So it says, The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. So we see here if, you know, the priest examines him, he examines the, the sore. And if the hair on that sore has turned white, the sore is deeper than what? Than the skin. And so as we think about this, right, it means that, you know what, if you have a disease or you have some sort of spots and your hair is turning white that's on it, then there's a disease there. And so he had to be, what, isolated. And as I mentioned to you before, right, the symptoms of leprosy are very similar to the symptoms of sin. And what do I mean by that as, as we read this verse here? It says that the sore is deeper than the skin of his body. See, when it comes to sin, isn't sin deeper than the skin? Think about that. Where is sin? Where is, you know, sin is deeper than the skin. Sin starts where? In our hearts, right? You know, it's not as if, you know what? It's not as if the sin is outside of our body, right? It's in our heart. And that's where it starts. And that's why I say, you know what, when we look at this, and we're going to see throughout this chapter the similar symptoms that sin has with diseases. And I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, here in uh, 17, verse 9, it says there, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So as we, as we read that, you know, we begin to see, you know what, and we begin to hear that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And as I also turn to another verse, just to read it to you, it says here, from Paul, you remember Paul, when, when Paul would talk to you, when he, would, when he was sharing with the church there in Rome, and he was saying, you know what, the things that I'm doing, I don't want to do. And the things that I should do, I'm not doing. And this is what he writes. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So as we can see that what that sin is deeper than the skin, right? It's inside of us. And even though the outside may look good, many times the inside is rotten, isn't it? And we know that. You know what? Because you could look out there in the world today, and how many people do you see that on the inside, they look great, don't they? But they're all messed up. Their hearts are messed up. And as Jesus himself said, listen to these words. He says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. In other words, these things make you unclean. And where do they come from? They come from the heart. Remember, sin is deeper than the skin. And you know what? I believe that as Christians and as people, we always want to see what? The good in everyone, right? You know, you want to see good in your family and in your friends and in your loved ones, right? But no one thing that apart from Christ, there's no one good. See, when it comes to understanding that, as the Lord says, there is no one good, no, not one. And that includes family, friends, and loved ones, right? You know, when we talk about the jails and the prisons today. Do you think there's a lot of good people out there? I mean, they're trying to put them in the jails and the prisons, and the prisons are saying, you know what? We can't fit anymore, right? They're starting to take out 
people out of what? The prisons, right? The state is saying, you know what? We can't house them anymore, so they're going to take some out, and they're going to put them in the jails. It just gives you an indication of how much evil there is out there, but some of them on the outside, right? They look fine, don't they? But on the inside, we know that there's, there's evil. And how many times do you hear people saying, you know what? I never knew that that person can do that. I never knew that they were capable of, of doing such a thing. See, and we read about this, we hear about it in the news. We read about it in the papers. You know, because that's what it is. Sin is skin deep. On the outside, people appear to be good, but on the inside, that's where sin is, is running rampant in their hearts. And so what does the priest do as we keep reading there in verse 4? It says, but if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. So we see here that, you know what? They have to isolate this guy, right? To make sure that he's not infectious, to make sure that the rest of the body, the rest of the Israelites don't catch this infection. And so what he says is he examines them after seven days. And if the hair isn't white and it, the sore hasn't spread, then you know what? Then we're going to put them in there for another seven days. Isn't it awesome that the Lord is telling Moses and, and Aaron to do this? You know what's so amazing is that the Lord wants to protect his people. He says, you know what, don't just do it in seven days. Don't just let them back into the, the, uh, you know, into the assembly, into the camp. He says, but keep them there another seven days to make sure that it hasn't spread. You know, they want to make sure that they're not contagious. And so as we keep reading in verse 6, it says, Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be, and be clean. So after the 14 days, we know that if it's not spreading, then guess what? He's clean. And as we keep reading in verse 7, it says, but if the scab should at all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. So what we see here is, again, the leprosy, we're not talking about Hansen disease. We're talking about, you know, skin diseases. But if it spreads... If it begins to spread, that means that he's unclean, that he has a disease, he has an infection. Let's talk about that. Let's compare that to sin. What happens with sin in, in our lives? Doesn't sin spread quickly? You know what if, you know, as, as, as we were, when we were younger, right, we used to sin and, and then we'd be, we'd feel sorry, but as you got older and and you began to just sin, it just became what? Part of you, right? You became blinded. You were immune to it. And see, that's what happens with people. Apart from the Lord, you get progressively what? Worse. And you begin to become entangled in sin, right? It starts as something that you tried out, and all of a sudden you become entangled in that web, right? And you can't get out, and and you're just trapped in it, and, and you're trying to get out, but you can't. And that's the way sin is. Sin has a way of enslaving us, right? Sin has a way of spreading quickly. Sin has a way of making us blind to it. I'll share this with you. There are so many people that are blinded to sin. I know people that are very close to me. And these people that can't even identify and see themselves in sin. 
They don't think that there's anything wrong with their behavior. And yet, it is spreading. And they're immune to it. And they think that it's okay. You know, as we know, and let me share this with you. How many of you, because one thing about sin is we like to do it usually when no one is looking, right? Isn't that when people like to sin? I mean, they usually sin what in the dark, right? At night is when you got to watch out. It's like the roaches that come out at night, right? They only come out at night because that's when no one's going to squash them and see them, right? So this is what happens to people too, right? We, we're like that. We, you know, when people usually come out at night and that's when they sin. But as they keep sinning, what usually happens to somebody, because as we're talking about sin spreading, just like the skin disease spreads, they begin to be more daring, don't they? Because as they keep doing it and they're not caught, they begin to do it during the day too. See, and that's because that sin that they have, they're, they're just so callous to it. They're desensitized to it. That, you know what, that they think that, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing it. And that's what people do. You know, when it comes to sin, it's, you know, many people, many people are, you know, are, are immune to it and, and, and they become blinded from it. But one thing about us as Christians, you know, I like to talk, I like to compare it to the way we are. See, because as Christians, we should not be getting what progressively worse, right? We should not have sin spreading. You know, we should actually be getting better, right? And this process is called sanctification. It's becoming more like Christ, getting better and better. See, and for the Christian, you know, if you know that you're still doing what you're doing, or you're getting worse at it, then it's a time to come before the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. But what I love about the Lord, because see, I experienced experience this firsthand, is that when I came to know the Lord, He took a lot of my desires and fleshly sin away. See, and that's why we talk about you know, the one step of faith program when it comes to the Lord. Because when you take one step of faith, the Lord heals us, doesn't he? And what's so amazing is that he just doesn't heal you immediately, but he also gives you his spirit to dwell in you and to help you. Because he knows how your flesh is. He knows that, you know what, your flesh, it's weak. And he needs help. And so the help that he gives you is himself, God himself, right? The third person of the triune God. And so as Christians, we should always be going not in the direction that we came from, but in the opposite direction. We should be always getting progressively better. And some people, I don't want you to get a hang up and say, man, how come I wasn't immediately healed? You know what? Sometimes it happens and other times it doesn't. But as you yield to the Lord, you will see continual healing. And we get better. It's not like we're automatically saints and holy saints without sin because there's just no way that can happen. Because throughout our walk on this world, on this earth, we're going to sin. We're not perfect. But we will be perfect when we're face to face with the Lord. I want you to turn to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, verse 15. In James chapter 1, verse 15, it says there, then when then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full-blown, brings forth death. So as you can see there, it is, as I shared with you, a natural progression 
of sin. See, it starts first with what? A desire. And you know, everyone, you know, as soon as you start giving yourself into that desire, what happens? You sin, right? When you start giving that second look or you start meditating on your desires, you begin to do what? Act them out. And so, as it says there, it gives birth to sin. So there's a progression from desire to sin, and then it goes into full-grown sin. In other words, there's a progression, just as I shared. And of course, we know what sin brings, and that is death. And so as we see there, it's exactly what I've shared, that sin spreads. And as we go back to Hebrews, I'm sorry, if we go back to Leviticus, Hebrews is on Sunday. If we go back to Leviticus, let's keep reading there. In verse 9, it says, When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on his skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall, not, and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. So he becomes now, you know, as they identify the disease, now they have to, you know, they have to take him out of isolation. And, and we're going to talk about where they go at a later time. But right now, you know what? He's unclean. You know what? It's spread and, and it's time that, you know, that they pronounce him unclean. And so in verse 12, it says, And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has a sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider and indeed, shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has a sore. It has turned white. He is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has a sore, he is clean. So in other words, he's no longer infectious. So what he's trying to say is that when the sore begins to turn white, the infection is gone. And also he's saying if, if he's covered with all of these things, all these white sores from his head to his toe, then he, has, he is no longer contagious and he can be pronounced clean. It was whatever infection he had, it's done. But as we've been talking about sin and we've been talking about how the priest was to examine and identify him. Isn't it so true that sin is always seen over time? You know, I want you to think about this. How many of you were, or in the past, or even, I mean, before you came to the Lord or even after you were in the Lord, you know, you were trying to hide things, and you got caught. You know, this is the way sin works. Sin will always be seen over time. You know what? There are so many Christians and so many non-Christians that are always trying to hide their sin, right? They don't even want their friends or spouses to know that they're in sin. But do you think that they're going to be able to hide it? For very long, they think that, you know what, no one will ever find out. You know, that's their desire, right? They don't want to get caught. And so they continue to do it, and they have this thing in their mind that they think, you know what, I'm never going to get caught. You know what's amazing is when it comes to, to sin, nothing is hidden that can't be seen. So... If you're doing something behind closed doors, it's going to be exposed. Know that. Don't deceive yourself or don't listen to the whispers of the devil that tells you in your ear, you're not going to get caught, don't 
nobody's looking, you could continue to do it because you will get caught. I'm going to share something with you here. Back to Jeremiah. I'm going to read to you, and you don't need to turn there. It's from Jeremiah 16, 17. It says, For my eyes, this is the Lord speaking, For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my eyes, nor is there inequity hidden from my eyes. So guess who's looking at all that you do? The Lord's looking. In Psalm 69, 5, it says that the Lord, my sins are not hidden from you. This is the psalmist that he's saying, and he's saying, Lord, my sins are not hidden from you. And I'm going to read to you something that we just went over a couple of weeks ago in Hebrews. It says there in Hebrews 4, 13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know what? He sees all sin. Everything that you're doing, he sees. And you know what's amazing is how that verse finished. Because it finishes by saying, and he must give an account. One day for all of your sins, that you know that you're going to have to give an account to the Lord for them? You're going to have to talk to the Lord about it. Even though, you know what, he's exposed them, you're going to have to face up to them. He's going to, somehow, you're going to have to give an account. The Bible says it, so how that's going to be, I don't know. Even though you're forgiven, but there's going to be an account given. And I want to share this with you. See, because not only does God see your sin, but the Lord likes to bring it out in the open. He doesn't want just you to think that, you know what, you're gonna, it's only going to be me that sees you in sin. But the Lord likes to expose it. And you know what happens when he exposes it? He wants you to repent. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you from 2 Samuel. And let's all turn there. Let's all turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, I think we all have heard of the great earthly king of Israel. His name was King David, right? And this earthly king here did something that was bad. And he thought to himself, no one is ever going to find out. He's thinking to himself, you know what? I'm going to keep this. This is my secret. And no one else is going to know about it. So in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Imagine the Lord reveals this to somebody else. He reveals it to somebody to go and talk to David about this sin that he was trying to hide from the Lord. And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb. That's a female little lamb, which he had brought and which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. In other words, you know what? This man, he bought this little young female lamb, sheep, and it became a part of the family. And this is what Nathan is telling him. You know what? It grew up with the kids. And it says, and it ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. In other words, you know how many people like dogs today and they like sleeping with their puppies and their puppies and their dogs are like children to them? <laughs> I see that many have that here. Well, this is what he's talking about. He had his little lamb that would sleep with him. It would lay with him. And it says there, And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the warfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. In other words, he says, I'm not taking from my flock. You know what? This man that's come from war, he's hungry and 
you know what? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that other man's lamb. And I'm going to feed him that lamb. And so it says, so David's anger as he's talking to King David. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. See, this is what happens. See how sin is exposed? See how the Lord sends somebody to expose sin? He's not going to let us get away with sin, especially believers. And he's going to bring chastening and correction into your lives. He's going to expose that sin. But do you see how also we become blinded to our sin? Where we can't even see it anymore? And we like to point fingers, right? How many here always talk about other people's sins? You like talking about them, right? You like saying, hey, you know what? This guy at church is doing this or she's doing that. What does the Lord say about that? He says, be careful. Unless you take the plank out of your own eye, stop pointing fingers. See, this is exactly what was happening here. You know what? When it comes to sin, the Lord's going to expose it. And you know what happens too is even when you're, when you're in sin and it hasn't come out, sometimes that conviction just tears you apart, doesn't it? See, that's why the Lord just wants you to stop sinning. The Lord just wants you to walk away from it. Let me share this with you. I'm going to read to you from Psalm in Psalm 32, in Psalm 32, I'm going to read to you the words from David. And this is what he's talking about when he, was, when he had sinned and no one had found out about it. Nathan hadn't exposed him, but it says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. What we have here, and many of us have gone through this. I know I've been there. Where you know what? Where you feel like, you know what? It's just wearing you down, your sin. The sin is just overwhelming and you feel like man it's taking life out of you and there is a type of groaning within you going on because you're just tired of this sin and his hand is heavy upon us and you know what you no longer have a spunk to you right because it's turned into drought you know what you're not like you were before when you've walked in sin you know, as you're walking in sin, it's heavy upon you, right? There's that lack of life that's within you. And you feel like there is drought in your life. See, but we know that David goes on to talk about the blessings and forgiveness. As we keep reading, let's go back to Leviticus. In Leviticus 13. As I'm going to read to you from verse 18. It says, if the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if when the priest sees it, it indeed appears deeper than the skin and its hair has turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which has broken out of the boil. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs on it, and it is not deeper than the skin but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread, it is a scar of the boil, 
and the priest shall pronounce him clean. So we're talking about boils here, right? He's saying, you know what, when there's boils, you need to examine them. Have you ever had boils? I've heard they're painful. I haven't had any, but I hear that boils are very painful. And so they are to look at it to make sure that it wasn't an infectious disease. And either he's going to be pronounced clean or unclean, as we've been talking about through isolation and, and then reexamination. Let's keep reading. It says, or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot has turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprous, leprosy broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but as faded. Then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread on the skin, but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him unclean, shall pronounce him clean, for it is a scar from the burn. So now we're talking about burns. You know, if you get a burn, it can turn into an infection. And again, the Lord is saying, you know what? We want you to examine these infections to see if they're spreading and the, looking at the same symptoms. And you identify it, isolate it, or pronounce it clean. And so let's keep reading in verse 29. Let's see now the next type of disease. It says, if a man or woman has a sore on the head or the beard... Then the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin, and there is in it thin yellow hair, that's pretty gross, huh? Then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a, lep a, sca a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. But if the priest examines the scaly sore, and indeed, it does not appear deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair on it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has a scale seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if the scale has not spread, and there is no yellow hair on it, and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself, but the scale he shall not shave. He wants to make sure there's hair on there <laughs> to identify whether it's spreading or not. <laughs> hope I'm not getting you guys grossed out, but... You know what? This is the Lord protecting his people, right? And the priest shall isolate the one who has a scale another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale. And indeed, if the scale has not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and, he, and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing... Then the priest shall examine him, and indeed, if the scale has spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is black hair grown up in it, the scale has healed. He is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. So we're talking about sores that appear, right? There's sores that happen underneath your skin, underneath your hair, right? Whether it be in your head or your beard. And so you got to examine it and and again, see if it's infectious or not by the color of its hair. Pronounce them clean or unclean. You isolate them and so forth. So let's see at the next type of uncleansiness. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, possible diseases. In verse 38, it says, If a man or woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white spots, then the priest shall look. And indeed, if the bright spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin. He is clean. So again, if you have white spots, the Lord is saying, examine them, you know, make sure that they're not an infectious disease. Okay, so let's keep reading. As for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he is bald, but he is clean. So he's saying that bald man, don't worry, you're not going to be considered unclean. Okay, he's saying, but he whose hair has fallen from his forehead, he is bald on the forehead, but he is clean. And if there is on the bald head, 
or bald forehead, a reddish white sore. It is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white on the bald head or on his bald forehead as the appearance of leprosy on the skin of his body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean and his sore his sore is on his head. So the same thing. We're talking about now balding men with sores. Or it could be women too with sores. It necessarily doesn't have to be the men. But let's keep reading in verse 45. It says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You know what? Anybody that was considered unclean, did you know they would have to live outside the camp? They would have to live in isolation. And you know what was sad about this is that he had to have ripped clothes on him. And you know what? He also, whenever he saw anybody coming by him, he would have to cover his mouth. And you know, anytime somebody passed by him, you know what he would have to scream? Unclean. Unclean. You know, it was a sad thing. And to dwell alone outside the camp. See, this is what happens. You know, when they had an infection, when they had a disease, they couldn't spread it. And they, they were filled. If they had this disease, and they would have to go Outside of the camp, they used to have leprous camps. But I want to talk about this. See, again, one thing about sin, one thing that we know about sin is it isolates you. And you may be saying, what do you mean it isolates you? How many, after you sin and you sin, people start rejecting you? People stop trusting you. People ask that you leave. You know, and you may say, but I have others that are friends of mine. But you know what they start doing after they get to know you too? What do they do? Get out of here. We don't want you. You know what? You can't be trusted. You're constantly in your sin. And, and this is what sin does. It isolates people. It brings separation. That's what sin does, right? Ultimately, sin separates, right? Isn't that what the wages of sin are, is death? The wages of sin is death. And ultimately, what is death? Death is separation from who? From God. And I want to read this to you. It's in 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction. He's talking about those that rejected the Lord, rejected the gospel. He's saying, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This is what death is. This is what hell is. Hell is separation from the Lord. And I want you to Think about this. Was hell created for people? Hell was never created for people. You know that hell was created for the devils? The devils. <laughs> the devil and his angels? This is what hell was created for. You can read this after in Matthew 25, 41. And for those that don't receive the Lord, those that don't accept the Lord, those that reject the Lord, well... Guess where he's going to place you? He's going to place you at the same place he places what? The devil and his angels, which is hell. See, what's going to be so apparent in the tribulation period, that is when God's wrath will come upon the earth for those that rejected him. Those that reject the Lord and accept the Lord, you will identify them because they take upon what? The mark of the beast, right? They're going to take upon that 666. 
They're going to take upon his mark, whether it be on their hands or whether it be on their forehead. But see, what mark do we want to take on? See, we want to take on the mark of the Lord, don't we? How do people identify you? What is the mark that identifies you that you belong to Christ? When you obey his commands, right? Didn't he say that, I will know that you love me when you obey what I say? So when you disobey the Lord, guess what mark one takes upon? The mark of the devil. And see, and people don't realize that today. I mean, people don't, reg they, they don't register and don't tell somebody, hey, you got the mark of the devil. But in reality, that's what it is, right? Those that reject the Lord, reject the gospel, because are they at all obeying the Lord? They're obeying who? The devil. And so we know that the Lord never sends anybody to hell. I want you to know that. Because you've basically made the decision to go there. He just places you where you've the, where the choice is that you've made. See, because the Lord has given everyone an opportunity to come to him, right? The gospel has been preached, I would say, almost to the ends of the earth. And so the gospel has been taken out, right? And the Lord also says, you know what? There are, you know, if, if the gospel has been preached where you're at, we know that creation speaks of who he is. And creation identifies and tells that person that there is a God. And so for anybody or everyone that rejects the Lord, you've made your decision to go where? To go to hell. It's not God that's saying, you know what? You didn't, you know, you made, you know, God is, is saying to, he, he, when we're face to face with him, he's going to say, you know what? I gave you the opportunity. You didn't want me and it's too late now. And basically, you've made the decision to go to hell. For the lepers person, he could have been cleansed. He could have had a supernatural healing and a deliverance. And we're going to talk about that next week. But we know also for the sinful man, he can also have what? A cleansing upon his life, right? And that comes through what? Through faith in Christ. But if you choose not to be cleansed by God, as we've been saying, you send yourself to hell. And so the Lord offers a cleansing to all. And so let's keep reading and we're going to finish this chapter because all we're going to do is read the remaining verses. And I'm going to read be beginning in verse 47. It says, also if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or wolf of a linen or wool, whether in leather or in anything made of leather. Let me just share with you there real quick, because when I read this, I was like, what is a warp? <laughs> or what is a wolf? I think for those of you that knit or those of you that sew, I think you know that a warp is the threads and a wolf is the texture or the fillings that, that is in the, uh, in the garment. And so let's keep reading. It says, And if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or in the wolf, or in anything made of leather, leather it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague has spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the wolf, in the leather, or in anything made of leather, the plague is an active leprosy. It is unclean. So you know what? They examine it. They isolate it. If it's active and it spreads, then they're going to do something to it. Let's read what they do. He shall therefore burn the garment in which is the plague, whether warp or wolf, in wool or in linen, or anything of leather, for it is an active leprosy. The garment shall be burned in fire. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp, or in the wolf, or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague, and he shall isolate it another seven days. Then the priest shall examine the plague, 
after it has been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color through the plague, though the plague has not spread, it is unclean and you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. If the priest examines it and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the wolf or out of the leather, but it appears again in the garment, either in warp or in wolf or in anything made of leather. It is a spreading plague. You shall burn with fire that which is the plague, that in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment, either warp or wolf, or whether is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time and shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in a garment of wool or linen, either in warp or wolf, or in anything made of leather, to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. So what happens when sin or when the disease isn't cleansed from it, when the plague is there? It's thrown where? In the fire. It burns. See, that's what happens to us if we don't come to the faith. If we don't ask the Lord into our hearts who will cleanse us and wash us, we will also be thrown in the fire. And I'm going to read that to you. I'm going to read that in Revelation chapter 20. It says there in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is a book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. So even the dead, even those that were, didn't receive the Lord, they're going to be judged. There's going to have a different degree of judgment for them by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, just like the garments that were filled with the leprous disease. You see all the correlation between leprosy and diseases when it comes to sin? And that's why we say that there's much sim uh, symbolism when it comes to both the image of leprosy is sin, and this is everything that we've been talking about. See, when sin doesn't disappear, it is blinded. But thanks be to God. You know why? Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God through Christ Jesus is what? Eternal life. And that's what we have when we come to know the Lord. That's what we avoid all of this when we say yes to Jesus Christ. And that's what's so amazing because do any of us deserve his grace? Do any of us deserve his favor? I don't think any of us do. When you examine your life, and if you know that the Lord God himself is holy without sin, your one little sin separates you from him. And whatever you've done, and I know that I can look at today and think of the things where I fell short today and yesterday and the day before and the month before and the week before that and the year before that. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve to be in his presence. But his grace is amazing. And his love is like no other. It is a great love. And this is the love and this is a grace that we receive when we say yes to Jesus Christ. He takes us into the fold. We are accepted in the beloved. His righteousness has been placed upon us to stand in the presence and to live in eternity with God. Because when God sees you in heaven, guess what he sees? He sees the righteousness of his son. He, says, he sees the mark of Jesus stamped all over you. His fingerprints are all on you. And he says, come on in. You're going to rule and reign with my son throughout eternity. Praise the Lord, no? Praise the Lord, no? Amen. Amen. Well, with that, we will close.
Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for just how you illustrated today, Lord, through leprosy, Lord, how, it, how these skin diseases, Lord, work like sin, Lord. How it was so obvious to us, Lord, how it works like sin.